The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi, hi everyone. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth and you are at the Visual Workplace where every week we look at some aspect of letting the workplace speak, some aspect of how to embed your intelligence, your knowledge of your operational system into the living landscape of work through visual devices. This is a system of thinking that becomes a system of application and doing. How to install the language of your current level of operational excellence, even if you are not quite as excellent as you wish you would be or as you know you will be, given time, given experience, given some mistakes, given learning. When we make that level concrete and specific, and we do that through visual devices, through visual mini systems, we create a platform of knowledge and know-how that we can literally see functioning. And then as we see that it needs to be improved, we create more powerful visual devices, we create different visual devices, we embed our intelligence until the workplace speaks in a voice that we know is our own. And why do we bother? We bother for the incredible bottom line benefits in terms of improved safety, better quality, more aligned delivery, shrinking cost. We do it for the splendid cultural alignment to create and to strengthen a spirited and engaged workforce on all organizational levels. That includes GMs and CEOs and associates and supervisors. That includes your purchasing department and your marketing staff. Everyone. That includes the enterprise. And you know why else we do it? Because we can enjoy ourselves at work when the information flows to us and from us without a hitch. Throws through these wonderful physical devices that we create and the workplace speaks. And the enterprise becomes increasingly connected and aligned and is able to grow. As the Japanese say, able to grow at a level of least cost means. Least cost means. It's a wonderful phrase. It means you're going to find the least cost to do that which you are doing. It's another kind of way of reconceptualizing the idea of attack on waste. Only it becomes a more positive. We're doing it at the least cost. So welcome. Welcome to our show. And you know our show becomes a call-in show when you call in. 866-472-5790. I'm going to say it again. (laughs) 866-472-5790. Right? 
and you can find us at visualworkplace.com. There are lots and lots of things on our website that will help you on your journey to visuality. And by the way, I want to mention some of those things. We have a free newsletter that goes out weekly. I write a new article every week. I wrote an article this week. I think it's pretty good. I'm doing a series on the invisible enemy on information deficits. I, th- I think we're on our fourth issue related to that and probably another four to go. Free, just sign up for it on our website. Membership is free. When you become a member, there's a bin with lots of other goodies in it that are free. <laughs> we have a free video gallery on our homepage, visualworkplace.com, where there are six or ten, I think there might be ten by now, short clips on what is visuality, what is visuality in the community, what is motion, stalking the enemy, Uh, a couple of really good ones on 5S that I did earlier this year, talking about the history of 5S and how it has changed and what the difficulties are. I'm going to also do some clips on some of the resolutions to those difficulties. But if you're having difficulty with 5S, then watch these two clips. They're about 20 minutes total, and it will give you some understanding of why it is hard. And in a way, it's not your fault. And we have free podcasts of this show, completely free, on our website. You don't have to be a member to download them. Look for our podcast library on visualworkplace.com and just start listening. There's over 100. I think there must be 130 by now. And we edit them so the commercials disappear and you can just listen to them straight. So we want to help you. And we, of course, have products that you can buy, train the trainers and online systems. And I go out to companies very, very regularly for two days or three days or a week or two weeks, whatever you need. We're happy to um, organize that for you and make it work for your objectives. So visualworkplace.com and let's begin today's show. We are continuing our discussion about harnessing the hero within. We're in about the fifth show of that as well. If you remember, in visual thinking, we deliberately look for ways to make the individual, each person, independent and singular in thought and action, independent and singular in their improvement ideas. And as I've mentioned, this is not a denial of teams and the importance of teams. This is the foundation of teams creating high-performing individuals so that you can have high-performing teams and a high-performing department, a high-performing enterprise. They share a common purpose. They work conscientiously. They have shared values. They grow the business. But they also have a shared system of thinking. And in visuality, our thinking becomes devices that embed our intelligence into the living landscape of work. And the best, and I will say the most powerful way that I have found to do this is through an eye-driven approach. In a sense, eye-driven means we are making a hero out of each employee. At first glance, the eye-driven approach seems counterintuitive, the opposite of the team-based work culture that so many companies seek. But in fact, eye-driven is the first step in exactly the right direction and indispensable first step towards an aligned and unified work culture. So we're going to go on with this conversation and today we're going to take on pretty much head on 
What happens if people don't want to be eye-driven? What happens if their eye drives in the opposite direction? What happens if they are grumpy, resistant? What do we do? And as I wrote in the notice for this, do we really have to like all the people all the time, especially if some people are not cooperating with our very important improvement agenda? Can't we just make them? Can't we just force them? Or are we forced in today's political correct zealous world to show respect for the individuals even when some of those individuals are clearly indifferent to the corporate intent, they could give a rat's behind, and others of them actually actively push against us. So what are we going to do? Well, it's a tricky scenario. And I want to share with you what I do. Better said, what I learned to do. I'm going to walk you through what we call the parable of the rowers, which is not a cave-in, which is not a sacrifice of your improvement vision, nor are you pushing it strenuously against other people's will. But it is how to keep your eye on the main event, which is to get improvement, in this case visual improvement, going and growing in your company. And it may mean for you, it was for me, a very different way, because I failed the old way. It's a way of allowing, even encouraging people to be themselves without fear of penalty and without making them mortgage their spirit in order to keep their paycheck. So, that's what we're going to be talking about. If we don't finish this today because, you know, it's a story that needs to be elaborated in order to be well understood, then we'll pick it up next week. And I also have on the agenda waiting for us, I want to talk to you about two in particular people, Paulette Benedictus and a gentleman named Charlie and his very famous table. I'll do that when we finish this segment whether or not it's this week or next week. So please keep tuned for this series. I am trying to make this point so that you become encouraged to look upon the people that you work with and for. The people who report to you and the people you support as heroes, heroes in the making. That I inside is their will and that can only be given. It can never be taken. You can get very close to people and it may look like they're doing your will, but underneath they know where the boundary line is and you don't get that precious part of them that is called enrolling in the corporate intent, saying, yes, this company is enough about me for me to lend myself to it to enroll my will in the corporate will. That happens because people decide to do it. Some of them decide easily, immediately, as soon as they come on board, they're looking for an enrollment. They're looking for something greater than themselves to support and to find themselves in. But other people come in the door and they know that they will not cooperate. (laughs) What do we do about those people? And how can the shift happen where the no becomes, you bet I will. So, we're going to talk. It doesn't take us long to discover that people respond pretty much in three ways to anything. They either embrace it, as I was saying a moment ago, or they resist it, or they simply don't have an opinion about it at all one way or the other. 
they're kind of neutral. And I call this grouping the rowers, the watchers, and the grumblers. They are three perspectives on the I. And if you will, they are three perspectives on the human will. And when push comes to shove, in my experience, this means I've learned this, the only progressive course of action for long-term sustainable results is to concentrate on keeping those who want to be involved involved, but not by creating an elite, not by excluding anyone. Hmm? So, people who like to watch will continue to watch, and people who want to grumble will continue to be grumpy and resisted. Grumpy and resistive. But it is likely, if you conduct yourself along the line of value that I'm describing, that a grumbler can do an about-face and become a formidable pace-setter. And if you ask that grumbler why there was a sudden change of heart, the grumbler will declare it as an act of will. You'll hear it. He will declare it. She will declare it as an act of will. I changed my mind, the grumbler says, and walks away. And the grumbler is exactly right. Grumblers are in charge of their will. They decide how they want to use it. Exasperating, yes. As exasperating as the people who like to row, to get involved, are inspiring. But there are many lessons here. And we'll talk about them. We'll begin our story right after our first break. I'll be here when you get back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You're 
listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. This is Gwendolyn Gwendolyn Galsworth, and you are at the Visual Workplace where we learn the many, many ways to let the workplace speak. And right now, we're focusing on the hero within, how to develop, how to look at our work culture from the point of view of that people want to be heroes. We want the hero that we came to know in our heart when we were very young to go to work with us. We want that hero to show up in our heart and our mind. But if the company has made no room for heroes, has no structured way to develop people in a way that they can contribute powerfully, that hero will never be uncovered, revealed, will never make its contribution at work or make its contribution to the development of myself. That hero shrinks even as we shrink. Okay, so they're working hand in hand. Because didn't we learn a long time ago, I've been doing this work since 1984, it's over 35 years, isn't it? I think so. That when we change the process, we change ourselves in the, in the process. So we're changing the way we do things when we engage in operational excellence, and that will change us. It will change us to the good for our own personal growth and contribution to our lives and our community if we are allowed to grow the way we want our operational systems to grow. And it will change us to our detriment if we are forced to squeeze into something we don't understand or can't contribute to or only contribute to when we are asked or when we have a spare moment. Operational excellence in the workplace is a pull system and every part of the culture is a pull system as well. We create the pull in the hearts of people by making it possible for their, if, if I may say it this way, their dreams come true. Their dreams about themselves. And you know by now we're not talking about making more money. Of course we'll make more money as the company becomes prosperous or else the company will be in trouble with its own employees if they don't share. But we're talking about personal growth, which we know from study after study is not just as important but more important because it's our internal state. So if the change is going to happen, it starts from the inside and it comes out. And that means that companies need to find a way to touch that inside and to help that inside grow. You know, I've written quite a bit about this in my visual thinking book, and also in my uh, first book on visuality, visual systems, which we're going to release again later on this year. And you can refer to any of this in print, plus I'll be writing about this in the newsletter. So this is good listening, but it'll also be good reading if you want to go that far. So I know what you know. Grumpy people are everywhere. If you want to do something old, there will be people who grump about it. If you want to do something new, You can double that. They'll be grumpy, grumpy. You know these people, and you may know what I'm about to share with you that I learned. So this will be a confirmation 
of what you already know. But some of you who are listening are struggling, not necessarily with implementing visuality, but with implementing anything. And what we're sharing will work for any implementation strategy, any conversion, any effort, even if you're simply doing Kaizen. Hmm? You want to do something gorgeous and people push back. Nothing new there. The only question is, what are you going to do about it? And this is the cultural side, the management side. Hmm? Habit is behavior learned over time. The principles and practices of workplace visuality cannot take root, let alone serve as a bridge to excellence if there are not enough people on board and participating in the effort. That means you need to have X number to adopt the behaviors. But that X number is not much. My rule of thumb is 10%. I get 10%, I can make a go of it, of enthusiastic people. If I get 25, we're practically home free. Because those 10, those 25% will learn the new habits, new habit of thinking. Everybody goes to the training room. Our rule is, this is the way it goes, attendance is mandatory, participation is voluntary, because participation has to do with the will. So when we're learning for example, new behaviors, we are also unlearning old ones. And the old ones hold on very tightly. Unless you can get at the mistaken beliefs that undergird them, those have to be unlearned as well. And those beliefs are linked, in my experience and in my research, are linked most powerfully to how we perceive ourselves and how we perceive others. Every day we make choices and act on beliefs that may not be true, but we act as though they are true. And so they are powerful. So unplugging these beliefs and adopting new ones, well, this is either a dull and uncomfortable process or an exciting and uncomfortable process. It's uncomfortable no matter what. It all depends on how you perceive the situation, what your intent is. But I will tell you, it's never easy. Hmm? Mistaken beliefs about ourselves. This is very hard to unnest. So there you are, your company is two months into a visual conversion and visual devices are cropping up and borders are cropping up, functional borders, beautiful addresses and IDs and beautiful devices, beautiful inventions, and a small group of people who go to the training, are very motivated from the very beginning, enthusiastic and imaginative. They get excited about just about everything. Ah, this is perfect. And they even do things in their spare time. The company has set aside improvement time because it wisely knows that if it tries to create improvement on the backs of people's physical or family lives, there's not a long life in it. And John and Debbie and Cindy and Bill are creating these systems They seem to eat and drink and breathe visuality. When asked why, they give the same answer in various words. Visuality is the answer to my prayers. Now I can make the workplace my partner. Now I can come to work and work will make sense. But other people are not so involved. They're not convinced. They're either busy with their own improvement efforts and so they can't find time for something new 
or they wait on the sidelines and they watch, and they watch Bill and John and Debbie and Cindy bring order out of chaos. They too go to the training. They're just not engaged. They don't have a lot of excitement about visuality. But they let other people do it. And they benefit from what other people do. They're waiting. They're waiting to see if management is going to support them. They're waiting to see if the management is going to support Bill and John and Cindy and Debbie. They're waiting to see if it's going to go the old way or a new way. And then there are other people, another set, breed apart. And by the way, 10% of these is enough. I'm going to be talking about the grumps. Enough for any organization to deal with. They simply don't have anything good to say about anything. And yes, if it continues, managers will talk to them, have a personnel review, tell them what the requirements are. But I want to... um, I want to, I I was going to say plead with you. I want to encourage you, but it really is pleading. When you start, for example, visuality, during the first three cycles, don't fire anyone. Don't threaten them. Let them be themselves. Give yourself a chance to see what your workforce is made up of without you using your thumb, without you making them do your will. Let them be themselves. Take the pressure off. Because remember, what we're trying to change is people's beliefs about themselves and about you. So there is often this adversarial relationship that is sub-vocalized, which is I'm going to be a pain in the behind and you're going to come after me. We'll be talking about that in our parable, which we'll get to in a moment. We want I want you to be upset with me because I want to see you do that thing with your eyebrows. Yeah, 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 there it is. Yeah, that's when we know that George is really angry. His eyebrows go in opposite directions. Look at that. I did it again. Aren't I powerful? Leave people alone. Let them simply... Attend, because attendance is mandatory, and let participation for the time being be elective. Just three cycles. That's about four months. And you will come to a much better understanding of who it is and who's behind the mask. Who's behind the mask of the grumbler? Who's behind the mask of the rower? And who's behind the mask of what we're talking about? The watcher. Hmm? Who is that person? Because that person is an adult who's holding down a job, paying a mortgage, having a family life, whatever description of that family that is, showing up. How do I harness the power within that person? Can I, as a manager and trainer, follow the letter of this law? And the law is set aside your judgment. Can you do it for three cycles? That means just three groups. Train three groups because what you're training here is you're training yourself. You're training yourself to see differently. You're training yourself to understand and to see how the perceptions, the belief systems are working 
and working against the company and even working against the individual. But remember, you can't touch this person's will, no person's will, nowhere, nowhere, anywhere in the world can you have access to a person's will. If you break it, the will, it's just broken until you disappear and then they'll come back. Okay, we have stories after stories after stories in movies and TV shows about this because it's true. So let this be your experiment. Let people be themselves, the adults who they are, and let them relax in that. And they will notice that you're not coming after them. You're making them show up. You're making them participate in a visual blitz. That is, you have to show up for the blitz and do something if you don't want to do your own creation if you don't want to invent your own visual devices, then go over there and help Marianne. She needs a hand. So you buddy people up. And then you watch and you listen. And you begin to shift the company into a new way, something that is more congruent, that matches better the pull system that operational excellence is. We'll pick this up after a break. And I'm going to do my very best to begin our story very soon. I'll do my best. I'll see you in a minute. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. 
Hi, welcome back. This is Gwendolyn, and I'm raring to go into this. It's hard for me to stop myself in the middle of the sentence of a sentence and take a break, but you know what? It, it's required. So here we are back again. This is the visual workplace, and we're talking about the hero within and how do you deal with, how do you create, how do you hold on to your hero vision for others, the hero within others? when you get a lot of pushback or you get a lot of indifference. And I want to mention, when you start building, cultivating the hero in others, you are by definition a hero yourself. You are doing something substantial, powerful, and difficult. And persisting at it makes you heroic as well. You grow as well. You share this, you grow as well. You know, when we talk about respecting the individual, which is a principle that's talked about until your teeth ache, what does that mean? It isn't just a question of being polite and courteous, but it's really knowing that that other person is powerful. We talk about the power within, within you. Well, that same power is within her as well. And him as well, and me too. It is what makes us one. So, as we move into the parable, I just want to make a distinction between inertia and resistance so we're clear about this going in. Sometimes we think they're the same thing. If somebody doesn't play with us, they're resisting. If somebody pushes back, they're resisting. It's not the same thing, so we shouldn't treat them the same. Mm-hmm. When we believe strongly in something and come to believe that it could be the answer to uh, my department's troubles or to the company's troubles or to the world, our eyesight can get a little bit cloudy. We have a tendency to label anything and anyone that doesn't agree with us and our big idea as resistant, lacking cooperation. But instead, it's only a preference. They would prefer not to be involved. Without a doubt, some of them are pushing back. So, inertia defines, the dictionary, I beg your pardon, defines inertia as the tendency of a body at rest to remain at rest, or if in motion, to stay in motion, unless acted upon by an outside force. In terms of people, resistance means, I beg your pardon, inertia means that they're currently busy. They're doing something else and they don't have time for what you're doing. They're busy doing something else. They're moving in another direction. They're simply continuing to move in the direction in which they have been moving. You get a taste of this when people say, gee, I just don't want to be bothered with this. Or they say, gee, I'm busy... Uh, doing this other improvement idea. You know inertia is in the air when you hear this kind of a response. But resistance is different. Resistance is a big no. It means a force that is opposing and trying to stop. Now, in air flight, resistance is 
a very good thing because it refers to the upward pushing force that's encountered by the exposed surface of an airplane wing. Yeah, that's good. And for our immune system, it's important for us to have resistance, the ability of our body to ward off disease. It's part of our immune system. Mm-hmm. But in a work culture, oh, and also there's a resistance in electricity, the property that causes heat to be generated when the current passes through the transformer. Mm-hmm. So all of that is good. But resistance in people as a cultural expression is another matter. When resistance opens its mouth, you are looking no. You're looking at no right in the throat. There are countless ways to say no, but it still knows. It's still no. Oh, I don't want to do that. I think this is stupid. Why do we have to uh, put borders on the floor? I don't like this. I think it's dumb. We're not children. This is a factory, not a hospital. Why do we have to keep things neat and clean? I don't want to do it. Or I show up and I don't do anything. It's pretty deadly. And you have to ask yourself when you start your launch of visuality, what can we reasonably expect from people? Will they get on board? If so, when? So I'm going to tell you this story about, I call it the parable of the rowers. The bones of this story was a gift from my dear sensei, Dr. Ryuji Fukuda, an extraordinary manufacturing improvement practitioner and consultant and author of many books, including managerial engineering. He shared this insight with me many years ago in 1985. It was much leaner then, (laughs) but it was always rich in wisdom and meaning, but I um, elaborated. So let's just say there you are. You and your company are embarking on a great journey. Let's say that you're the CEO and you've decided to leave the land of waste where there is so much searching and waiting and wandering, where customers are unhappy, where quality is lousy, where costs are eating up everything, profit margins are eroding, and you're in charge of the company and you say, we are going to do it differently. We are going to go to a different land. We are going to leave the land of waste and go to the land of growth and alignment and high quality and high value add and customer retention, and great profit margins, and reasonable even least cost. Reasonable cost or least cost. And to get there, I'm going to have to take my company across a great ocean, the ocean of continuous improvement. And I have decided that the boat that we're going to take across that ocean is going to be called the SS Visual Workplace. Visual Workplace is the boat that will get us to the distant shore, take us a good long way. And you are on that boat. And you are joined with a core of employees like yourself, each with your hands on a set of oars, 
and you're rowing together vigorously in the direction of the, vis- of the distant shore. Your cheeks are red, your eyes are sparkling and steady. You breathe deeply and often. You are the rowers. And you represent 25% of the workforce. So imagine four rowers representing 25% of the workforce. We'll just use the number four. And there are others on the boat with you. But they aren't rowing. They are watching. They are watching you row and they're called the watchers. So there you are representing 25% of the workforce, four of you. And there are eight watchers. So what do they represent? Well, four is 25%. Eight watchers, okay, 50%. 50% of the people are watching you row. They're on the boat watching you row. They're not lifting up an oar. They're not giving much verbal, nonverbal encouragement. They're just sitting there. And so there you are, the rowers and the watchers on the boat. And if you add it up together, if 25% is four and 50% is eight, the eight watchers, you have 75% of the people on the boat. And the question becomes, wait a minute, where are the rest of the employees? Where's the other 25%? You look around. They are not on the boat. Oh, my goodness, where are they? You look, you look further and you see, oh, look it. Some of them are still on the beach. They're sunning themselves in the dreadful land of waste. They're grumbling that they've been abandoned Oh, what? wait a minute, still others of them, wait a minute, are in the water looking really grumpy. And some of them are swimming towards us. Wait a minute, they have something in their hands. Har- a harpoon? What is that thing in their hand? The grumblers are not in the boat, but it doesn't mean they're not busy. Better do something quick, but what? And that's the question. But what? So this profile of 25-50-25 is a strong profile. But if you have 25% rowers, you're not really, you're, you're, you're in good shape. But you also have 25% grumblers, actively grumbling, swimming towards you with something nasty in their hands, looking, looking like they're ready to do some direct damage to your efforts. And then you have this lump in the middle, the watchers. Better do something quick, but what? But what? And I will say to you, what do you, as the rowers, do? What do you, you, what do, you do next? Because what you do next will make the difference between getting to your destination, the wonderful land of turnarounds, or getting stuck in the doldrums, or even becoming a wreckage, the way countless other improvement efforts have been wrecked because of this cultural element may die a slow death, or it may just go up in an explosion. It's usually slow, and people hold on for a really long time, but it's still a wreck. For example, you're the rowers, right? You're the ones who are enthusiastic and raring to go. You may decide that you need to, your next step would be to find out what's making those grumblers so darn grumpy. 
And so you put your heads together and you say, okay, let's each of us schedule a one-on-one meeting with each of these grumblers and find out what's going on. And you do that and you report back to each other. Hey, what'd you find out? There you are, Debbie and Bill and, and uh, John and another person, Cindy. That's right. You look at each other, you say, what'd you find out? I don't know. I don't know what's going on. But you know what? I, 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 I think they, they kind of are making sense to me. There is something wrong with this company. There is something wrong with the way we've been doing things in the past. You know, I don't want to say that they convinced me, but they're not. They're smart. And if you do that, if you do that, rowers, you are making the big mistake. You are doing exactly the wrong thing. And I will tell you why. <laughs> you, Some of you already know. This is what not to do right after our last break. Please come back. I'll be here. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Hi, it's Gwendolyn. We have a story to finish before we say goodbye for today. And we were at the moment of the big mistake. And the big mistake was deciding to help the grumblers change their mind. Was deciding to help the grumblers change their will. And we pay attention to them. And one of the main things to understand about grumblers is this. They grumble, and for the most part, for whatever reason, they, they enjoy it. When you run up against grumblers on your journey, as you inevitably will, 
if you give them your energy, they will grow. We learned this from the Hawthorne study in the 1930s. We learned this from Werner Heisenberg in his research on molecules and atomic structures. Pay attention to the thing and the thing which is observed responds, reacts, grows. That's the power of attention. So your move is not to try to get the grumblers on board. Your move is to shift, I should say, to keep your attention on what you're doing that's working, which is rowing. Rowers continue to row, attempting to get the grumblers to change their mind and get on board will have serious negative consequences for the entire implementation. And anyway, you've done it that way before. You've threatened people. You've used the thumb. You've made them understand that they get on, it's my way or the highway, even if you've done so politely. All I'm asking you to do is wait for three cycles so that you can learn what happens to the human when you don't put them under pressure to change themselves as you are changing the workplace. People don't mind change. They mind when you're trying to change them. And some of us have to learn how to not try to change people. Persuade them with our missionary zeal that we have found the right way. The other unintended negative consequence of pushing against the grumblers to not be grumpy is that the watchers are watching. This is what they do at the start of everything. They watch. They watch the rowers row. They watch the grumblers grumble. And they watch to see what you, what the rowers decide to do with the grumbling. They watch to see what the rowers choose to pay attention to. Because remember, the general manager who had this vision is a rower of the first order. Watchers know about attention. They know it is energy. They know it is the coin of the realm. And that's one of the reasons they do so much watching. It is their way of conserving their own. When rowers pay attention to the grumblers, the watchers know the rowers are hoping to get the grumblers to change their minds and hearts and get on board. And the watchers know from their years of watching that the grumblers are capable of eating the rowers alive, eating up all and any energy that comes their way. They're like great black holes in the universe. They suck the rowers dry. They can do it and they do do it. And the rowers get more and more exhausted and disheartened seeing that their well-intended efforts are not paying off. They become filled with self-doubt and anxiety. They begin to have misgivings about where they're going and how. They begin to doubt their own vision. And when the watchers see this, they see the implementation going down the tubes and they do the only thing that makes sense to them. They look at each other and they say, they look, one watcher looks at the other and say, do you want to go first or shall I? And my friend says to me, because I'm a watcher now, you go first. And what do I do? I do this beautiful swan dive off the edge of the boat. I dive into the water. I jo- join the grumblers. And the other watchers follow me. And you know what? The rowers say, I'm out of here. The watchers know the scenario very well. The grumblers are a bit shocked, but they get the nature of what's happening. The boat is being emptied. And the grumblers have won. The power of attention. What we look at responds. 
Grumblers are past masters at being grumpy in ways that everyone will notice they whine, complain, moan, groan, refuse, sulk, reject, deny. And sometimes, which is very naughty of them, they will quietly sabotage. Very naughty. We must ask them to leave if they actually sabotage and put anyone at risk. But you are the grandstand and they are the entertainment. They watch keenly for our response to their resistance. I've been through this, this is Gwendolyn speaking, a hundred times in the training room and on the shop floor. I've been through this with GMs. Oh boy, I could tell you stories. I remember I just walked out of one boardroom. Someone was unbelievable and I didn't say a word. I just left, got on a plane. They wondered why I didn't show up the next day. It's the only way I could communicate to the GM that what he did was offensive on the first order. And I demonstrated that. But at any rate, grumblers watch us. They're fully aware that many an upstanding person will want to help them change their ways and to save them from themselves. Grumblers are very good at grabbing our attention. They expect us to give it. By the way, that one with the GM worked beautifully. It was a, it was a gamble, but it worked beautifully. Most of the time when we do this, we make a big mistake. Instead of accepting our concern as an invitation to speak, the grumblers use it to take us for a ride, their ride, and when they do, We get more wrapped up in hoping to reform them. They walk away. They are happy to stay as they are. They are completely in charge of their own will. And if they can, they will take yours. A grumbler is in charge of their own will. And so what I'm saying to you in this experiment that I'm inviting you to make when you launch visuality, because it's eye-driven, it is powerfully hero-based, to go through three cycles and observe and listen and absorb. And if you want us to have a little discussion online or call up on the radio, let's get into it and let's talk about it. The matter here is the human will. No one controls Yours and no one controls mine. I give, I give a little, but I don't give it all. Mm? At the outset, the rowers in our parable made their choice. They decided to put their shoulders to the oar. And we respect that. And we do what we can to keep them rowing. We focus on keeping them rowing. And the watchers chose to wait. And we respect that. And some people chose to grumble. We respect that. Yes, there may be negative consequences, but we respect people's right to choose. Hmm? We keep the rowers rowing. That's our main job. And that positive influence of their doing their own work will influence others. The grumbler will either change their mind on the spot and say, I changed my mind. And the watcher will pick up her oar, maybe have a crooked smile on his or her face, see that it's safe, see that rowing really is the order of the day, and become part of the change. I'd like you to think about these things, and I'd like you to try them out. Hmm? I'll be writing articles on specifically this to put words behind our discussion so you can read about it too. 
This is Gwendolyn Galsworth. I had a wonderful time sharing this with you today. I look forward to the next time. Let the workplace speak. appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening.